You're listening to the Spiro Avenue Show. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch our full shows and clips and highlights on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you for watching, and I hope you enjoy. We have had a a wonderful group of guests so far, and this is one of my favorites returning back after a long hiatus, and at the perfect time, he is the Pistons expert, James Edwards III, on the eve of the NBA season. But we're going to get to that in just a second. want to shout out really quick to our new sponsor, our good friends, The Butchery and Sylvan Lake. I don't know if everyone likes meat as much as I do. It's probably impossible. I'm actually in the middle of this carnivore diet thing right now. So I literally have like just meat and a little bit of vegetables, so I'm breaking the rules. The Butchery is the best meat ever. I, I know a lot of you know Sean Belegian out there in Radio Land, a famous Detroit sports radio guy. He's very close with these guys as well. They have the best cuts. It's like all prime cut stuff. It's not cheap, but it's actually affordable given the quality of the meat. You can't beat their prices. You can't beat their quality. So check them out. They are at thebutcherysl.com, thebutcherysl.com. If you are not near Sylvan Lake, although they are worth the trip, it's an awesome shop. Just check out their website. The full smorgasbord of meats is available online. Local business, great guys. Shout out to Dave Hubbard, wonderful guy, supporter of the show, fan of the show, friend of the show. Now to the meat and potatoes, no pun intended, of this show tonight. The Pistons, if you're watching this live, start tomorrow. If you're watching this after the fact, start today. Or maybe they started yesterday and this has already happened. But we have, in my opinion, and for my money, in my opinion, is worth quite a lot in this town for sure. We have the best Detroit Pistons writer, the best source of Detroit Pistons information in the state of Michigan, sitting right across from me. And, of course, he is a wonderful Spartan dog, a fellow Michigan State J School alum, James Edwards III from The Athletic. Thank you for joining us again. Appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, it's uh, the, the studio looks a little different than last time I was here. Um, it's very uh, – I feel like I'm back in East Lansing. It's been a while since I've been there, but I do feel like I'm, I'm right on the corner of uh, – uh, What's, gosh, I can't even remember the street names. Let's do like Bogue and Grand River. There we go, Bogue pick, pick and Grand River. Pick your crossroads. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. many. There's not many streets. They all kind of run together at a point. There's not, we run out of downtown at a point too, but it, I feel like I'm there. I walk into any bar and this is this is better than that with oh, all the uh, detail. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't feel like I'm in East Lansing myself when I'm in East Lansing because it looks so different. I mean, it's I, cr- yeah, I've I, heard it's crazy. There's like a Target there now. I, I, I didn't even see the Target, but yeah. there's like seven high rises. I don't know if I'm in like mini Chicago or what. <laughs> it's a crazy town. So obviously you and I could do and maybe we'll have you back for just like a seven hour Spartan show. But the Pistons are the topic of the day. They're the biggest topic in the Detroit sports scene right now. We are on the cusp of a season. And they're entering a weird era right now, at least weird to me. I don't understand what the hell they're doing. I have absolutely no clue. And we'll get to that. You're going to help me diagnose this, uh, hopefully, because there's a lot of confused people. I know I'm not the only one. But the, the interesting framing of this for me is this contrast I'm seeing between the local fans and the national NBA pundits. Now, the, the local, you know, you, um, Rod Beard, you've been a little more measured. You know, I think you're kind of waiting and seeing and you have your ideas. But the national media is just killing the Pistons right now. Yeah. And the fans actually seem pretty happy. So I'm going to throw up a couple of these examples just so people have some context of what I'm talking about. Like Dan Feldman of NBC Sports just gave a absolutely scathing review of the Pistons, and and I, we can throw up that uh, graphic there, Ben. 
He gave their offseason grade a D. And this is a quote from Dan Feldman of NBC Sports about the Pistons. Quote, this overhaul carries significant cost and still doesn't establish the Pistons as meaningfully better. This strategy looks scattered. Detroit is spending big on veterans without becoming good. Detroit is loading up on rookies by sending out future draft picks. The greatest worry is that Troy Weaver is in over his head. End quote. Obviously, uh, offseason grade of D and saying that the GM is in over his head on his like fourth day on the job is not a good start. I'm going to give one more little snippet from your, I guess, technically colleague at The Athletic, John Hollinger, a well-respected writer, former NBA executive in his own right. This is, again, a direct quote from John Hollinger from The Athletic. The Jeremy Grant deal is a maddening coda to a bizarre sequence of transactions. The Pistons could have kept rebuilding with Wood and Kennard. Instead, they've kept alive the spirit of Josh Smith, that's haunting, by once again having half a decade worth of stretched money clotting their books. Also, they could overpay a worse player than the one they let go and shell out $25 million for a backup center, end quote. So your colleague at The Athletic, a respected John Hollinger, NBC Sports down the, down the street, uh, Dan Feldman, they are giving scores of D. They're saying they're in over their heads in Detroit right now. It's not been positive, but conversely, the fans, myself included, have been excited. They're saying there's some good stuff here. So is it truth in the middle? Help me understand what's what's real here. Yeah, I think what really threw people for a loop was the first day that the quote unquote offseason officially opened. So was that the week before Thanksgiving? I want to say when was the draft? The draft was the 20. The 18th. So I think it was the week before. Well, whatever that week of draft week was, that's when the trade moratorium opened up and they spent the first few days looking like they were going to do like a Philadelphia 76ers type rebuild. They, They traded Luke Kennard. Uh, to get the 19th pick, traded Bruce Brown the day, the moment it opened to get a, a Musa and a second round pick. Um, so all they went into draft day with one pick and left with four rookies. So everything kind of pointed to them doing like a complete all youth rebuild. And then free agency comes and they signed a couple of veterans and everybody's confused on what's going on. Um, I, I, I get the optics and I would I know Hollinger's came obviously on Friday. I think Feldman's probably came shortly after free agency. Um, the optics in the in the in the moment, like I understood why people were frustrated and then and didn't think it made much sense. And it took me a while to kind of sift through at least what the plan was, just talking to people. And they they're rebuilding. They want they don't expect to be good. If you've listened to anything Dwayne has said over the last few days publicly the when people ask what are what should we expect from the season he's saying the development of the young guys he's not saying we're going to go be, try to be a player he said that the past two years he hasn't that's not the first thing he's saying this year and i think what people when they think rebuild or tank they have in their mind what philly did which was literally the worst season pretty much in nba history for 82 games detroit's not trying to do that there's there's no incentive in absolutely being that bad of a team because the draft odds have changed. I mean, you saw it. New Orleans Pelicans got Zion with the number one pick, and they won what thirty three games last yeah, year. Yeah, it's um, preposterous for the stand old standard. Yeah, and yeah. Detroit was Detroit, Cleveland, and New York were worse than Chicago last season, I believe, and Chicago picked fourth. So why not? at least put some type of product out there where you, at least you're competing in every game, maybe you lose every game. And that's the 
I think that's that's the best case scenario is you you put a team out there that can compete and you build a foundation, um, but you lose the game. That's I think what the plan is. I don't know if that's necessarily the plan. I'm sure if they make the playoffs with this young team, they'll be happy. But I think the logic is we want to put a team that'll compete, and I don't they don't think they're going to win a lot of games. And what's the point in being one of the worst products in basketball history if there's not a guaranteed shot we get the number one pick? Yeah, and, and you know. That's that's always a thing where I, I rub elbows uh, aggressively and, and get angry with the anti-tank crowd because and, and I don't disagree with your premise. I think you have it pretty much down with what they're trying to do. But and I'm not saying I agree necessarily with it. Maybe like I I probably do the more extreme approach, but I understand why you would do it too. Right, yeah. right. And I, yeah, I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying in general the the crowd that is so anti-tanking, where it's like, you know, and it it really bugs me. It's harder to tank in the NFL. And they, there's two straw man arguments these people present. The first one is there's no guarantee that the guy you take first or second or third overall is going to be better than the guy seventh, eighth, or ninth overall. No one ever said, yeah. if we take and get the worst record, we are guaranteed. But you would always rather have the higher pick. Yeah. You have a better chance of landing a franchise player. Wouldn't you rather have your pick of the litter versus like the seventh pick? So it's, it's no one's ever said that, oh, this will guarantee us anything. I, the other second straw man argument I mean, well, I'll get. I don't want to undo the whole tanking thing because <laughs> <laughs> I could actually, I could do an argue an argument on this for an hour. Yeah. But you know, the let's just back up. You said that you're not sure you would like this or what they're doing. Yeah, I, I'm saying I, I'm more aggressive in the sense that I understand like culture and like professional team building. I get that and why you wouldn't want to lose that because if you look at Philly, yeah, they might they got pillars and they're projected to be for the next few years be good but like everything you hear out of there is chaos and they haven't won anything yet and I think part of that is a bad culture so if there's a way if there's a middle ground where you can build a foundation which I'm sure we'll talk about more Detroit is trying to build a team that I mean the team the bad boys the going to work era their foundation was defense Detroit this iteration wants to build a team that is good defensively I I think that's the thing like people would rather maybe rather see exciting basketball if you're going to be bad in terms of scoring a lot of points but this is Detroit and Weaver knows that Casey knows that and if they're going to be bad they at least want to be maybe one of the better defensive teams and be bad yeah I, I definitely think that's at least they have some concept of what they're doing and what they're going for and the thing that drove me nuts and you mentioned Dwayne Casey's comments that have walked back that sort of, oh, we're trying to make the playoff standard. Mm -hmm. Now they're just, you know, develop the young guys, compete, you know, be competitive, whatever. I am thrilled to hear that because it has driven me nuts since Tom Gores got here, what, eight years ago, 10 years ago, it's been a while, that they have repeatedly, and it's not, it goes from him to Stan Van Gundy and, and right down through everyone in the organization. They continually repeat, that, oh, we're trying to make the playoffs. We want to compete for the playoffs. It's all about the playoffs. It's not about titles. Mm -hmm. And this team, in my estimation has been completely driven towards trying to win 41 games and getting smoked in the first round every year for like eight years. There was no path to a title whatsoever mm -hmm. at all with what they were doing. It's like, okay, we're, we're just chasing being pretty good. And the reason I can do that and, and make that deduction is not just by the results, because that's what they were, mm -hmm. but they said it. Yeah. They openly said it. But this team is now being run differently where they're walking it back. They're resetting things now. But do you see, not this year, obviously, mm -hmm. but do you see the first step towards a path towards a title in year four, year five? Like, what is the path here? What does it look like if it comes to fruition and they win a title? Or yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, th- I definitely think there is a, a year plan. And to go back to what you said, yeah, like they've clearly, and they've said it publicly, they wanted to make the playoffs all these years. And I have no issue with um, trying to field a good team and make, like I love, if I lived in Portland and I was a Portland fan my whole life, I would love what the Trailblazers have done the last few years. That's a fan base that um, loves its team. They have an exciting brand of basketball and th- there's years where they can make the Western Conference Finals and there's years they could lose in the first round, but you have a, a core there that you feel confident something could happen and then you can go down the line with Utah, Denver. Like There's teams like that. In Detroit, I think it was different because a lot of the money was tied up. One, they got lost in the sauce in the way the NBA was going. Um, it was going longer on the perimeter, smaller up front, and Detroit was obviously opposite of that. Um, and then they invest a lot of money in guys that were hurt and it, it just didn't seem like it was going to work. But in terms of this new gener- this new iteration of Pistons basketball, will the, is there a path to a title in four years? We'll have to find out, but I think there is a plan. So, I mean, pretty much everybody on this roster now is on the books for the next two, three years. Yeah. Blake's done it after next season. Um, and I think what the idea is to, they draft the three guys this year, four guys, um, Killian's going to be a, a primary focus. Whoever they get next year is going to be another one. So when Blake's contract is off the books, whether he leaves before then, whether he stays until his, his deal is up, that year, 2021, 22, after that season, they will only have Jeremy Grant on the books who makes over $10 million. And so you're hoping that by then you have two or three more first-round picks, high ones. You add them in with Killian and Sadiq and, and Isaiah um, you have a lot of cap space in a year. I think 2022 and specifically 2023 is one is like one of the most stacked free agency classes in a long time. Troy Weaver has connections in the NBA. I mean, Jeremy Grant came here, turned down a deal from Denver. Um, he's He's been in OKC where you hear glowing things from Russ and KD. Like players around the league are familiar with Troy and they like Troy. And I think the the plan is for the next three years to build a culture, a team that's going to play every night, going to play, quote unquote, I hate saying it, cliche, Detroit basketball. Um, they're going to have young pieces that that people are going to want to come and play with. They hope they develop in, into something exciting. And then when the free agency market comes in, in four years from now, they're hoping that uh, Troy can work some magic and bring some guys in, couple those guys with how they develop their young players, and you got something worthwhile. And you still have six – I think there will be six guys on rookie deals that year uh, on top of – and that's not even counting in who they would sign in free agency. So the, the way that they're using uh, their forward thinking in, in building a roster – knowing that they'll have so many cheap salaries on the books, which is something that, I mean, Detroit's books have been maxed out for many years leading up to this. So it it is a different approach. Whether or not it works, it depends on who they can get in free agency, how they draft. That's what it always comes down to, though, for teams in this type of market. Like, we could sit here and and rattle off all the things that's been wrong with the Pistons the past few years, but we're not talking about any of it if they they draft well. And they just haven't drafted well. That's true, and and I happen to I, I've been killing him for a decade. I happen to be giving Troy Weaver my full support, and just because there is some plan there, and I don't blame Troy Weaver for what came before him. I mm-hmm. think he was on paper the right hire. I think Dwayne Casey's a good guy for this situation, mm-hmm. for you know developing young guys. He has a good track record, so I think they already had that guy in place, and this is kind of he's retroactively perfect for what they're trying to do. I shared this opinion publicly and got absolutely clobbered for it. So Mm -hmm. maybe you'll clobber me for it too. I always tell my guests, please call me a moron if I'm a moron. Mm -hmm. But I'm seeing little snippet elements, it's itsy bitsy pieces 
of that early Dumars run Pistons yeah, I've heard team. that from some people, yeah. So I'm not the only one. No, I've seen that on Twitter a few times. Okay, so there's other people that are either as stupid or as brilliant as I am. <laughs> I'm curious if you buy it, and I'll, I'll explain why briefly. You're getting a lot of cast-offs. Guys, that, obviously there's a lot of transition in the league. Technically, almost everybody in the league is a quote-unquote cast-off. But I yeah. mean like guys that pissed off their previous employer or the, the fan base that rooted for them. Yeah. Josh Jackson, Jaleel Okafor being probably chief among them. But, you know, you saw that with that Pistons team where, you know, John Barry drove his coaches nuts because he didn't play defense allegedly, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Yeah. Chauncey Billups was considered a bust. Even Cliff Robinson was driving his coaches nuts because he was shooting threes. He's six foot 11. Back then, mm-hmm. it was crazy. Yeah. Now he was making them. Uh, he was good. Yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, but it was like at the time, see, now it's like, yeah, he he would be He was applauded. ahead of the time, right. Yeah. In 02, that was crazy. Yeah. Have a six foot 11 guy. He's shooting. lazy. Right, Like, right. no, he's just really good at this yeah. and nobody's doing it really in the league. Yeah. Right, he's leaning into his skill set, but yeah. I'm seeing I'm not saying, oh, this is a step one to a title because I honestly don't know. I, I'm flabbergasted with what they're doing. I don't even know if I like it or don't like it or what. It's yeah. partly why you're here yeah. to help me understand. But am I crazy to say that that's kind of, there's there's a, a scent of that strategy of we're going to go after guys that are devalued but have talent, came in as top five picks. I see it. No, I, yeah, I'm not going to go that far because I know what the end product was back then, um, but I definitely see what People, you or yourself and people are saying in that that was I think part of the plan like to take chances on young guys to get them into a place where Dwayne Casey's respected by a lot of players and coaches so there's culture there with him Troy Weaver's respected Blake Griffin's respected Derek Rose is respected like you're coming into a place where you're like yeah they haven't won a lot but there's some guys around here you need to respect and you have to respect from what they've done in the league um and I do think that, like you said, Josh Jackson is a guy that just hasn't really figured it out yet in the NBA. And if you've watched it all this preseason, he was probably the MVP. He's back home in Detroit. He did all the things that people loved for him coming out of Kansas. He defended, got out in transition. He shot the ball extremely well. I'm curious to see if that stays up. But even if he can shoot league average, that's an upgrade from where he was. And that that's a big piece. The kid's only 23. He's 6'8", long arms, everything you want in today's NBA. And if you catch fire with him, like, that's exactly very similar to, uh, not to the same extent, but like a Chauncey where he was bouncing around. It was a top pick. What was Chauncey, three or two? Uh, he wasn't two. He was three or four. Three or four. Josh yeah. was number four. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, you certainly see that. Then you you draft well that year. They got Tayshon at number 22 in 2002. Seku really, I think if you're doing MVP rankings from the preseason, Seku was probably number two, and they got him at number 15 in 2019. Um. Yeah, then yeah, I see some of what people are talking about, and I think I don't know if necessarily that blueprint was in their mind. I think it's just kind of the situation presented itself as like we're gonna get some guys we like, we're gonna get some guys that can show the young guys how we want to play, a la Jeremy Grant. Um, but then we're also gonna I, I like these guys; they fit the style we play. They haven't worked out in other places. We could probably get them for cheap. Let's go get the Josh Jackson and Jaleel Okafor and see what happens. If it doesn't work out, okay, we paid them eight million dollars for two years. Yeah, it's it's a harmless gamble, really, in the grand scheme of things. I was just devastated with the Christian Wood thing because mm-hmm. they, you know, they were the only team that gave him a chance. People forget that Christian Wood was like a coin flip from my understanding between him and Joe Johnson. Like yeah. 39 year old. Joe. Johnson. I think, yeah, I think, and I don't have this on source or anything. I think from just what I've gathered, it feels like that was more politics at the time. I think if you asked Dwayne Casey uh, over a beer with the, with uh, no microphones around who would you rather have? I, I think that answer 
was very uh, well. He obvious. obviously picked him. Yeah, so, and he was. I think at toward the end of the camp, he came out. It was pretty adamant about or after after camp going into the regular season, he was adamant about like, yeah, I went to the I fought nail and claw to keep Christian Wood. Yeah, so. I mean, he's a hell of a player, and it's I I think he's only going to get better. And perfect example. I mean, what was he last year? Twenty five. I mean, and yeah. it had been on like his fourth or fifth team with Detroit at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, you're hoping that one of those guys develop. You just hope that maybe Josh Jackson doesn't pop and now he's suddenly signing like a four-year big deal in Houston or God knows where. But yeah. I like the sort of theory of what they're going for. The thing that drove me nuts about the previous regime is the fact that Blake Griffin, probably untradeable at that point. He's becoming more tradable as he ends, you know, the, the nears the end of his contract. But mm-hmm. the fact that Derrick Rose is still here, to me, is a total calamity. I think they blew it by not trading him. I know you have sources in the NBA more than the average Joe. The stories, not from you, but from other reporters, were that Derrick Rose had interest. I don't know if you can confirm or deny that. Mm -hmm. Other teams wanted him at the deadline last year, and the Pistons would not move him. And I think he should be gone. This is an anti-Derek Rose thing. Guy had a hell of a year. All the more reason to trade him. He's not going to be here when this team reaches whatever goal they seem to have in mind. Mm He's got one year left on his deal. Am I crazy to think Troy Weaver's moving this guy like ASAP? Um, I don't. I don't think ASAP. I too think he gets traded this season. Um, if he can be as good as he was last year, which I think he can be, like he's he had like little nagging injuries last year. Nothing uncommon for anybody that's played basketball for so long. Like nothing concerning. If he has similar production with. Nothing catastrophic. I, I understand like the gamble. Like you got to the deadline last year and he was healthy. You should have did it then, just not risking it. I get like why people say that, but I do think maybe the return this year could be bigger than it was last year. And I do think that might be some of the thinking because he is an expiring contract. Um, so by the time the deadline comes, which I think is going to be in March this year, half of his seven million dollar salary is paid. And if I recall, I think one deal I heard, and I, don't quote me on this, people, um, like I feel like there wasn't like great offers. Like I feel like maybe the Lakers offered like a second in Alex Caruso. And I'm, I, guess, I guess like I don't – like Alex Caruso's fine for where he is. I'm not if, – if I can hold on for Derrick Rose for another year and maybe get something better, like I think I would too. And now if there were a sea of offers and there was like a first-round pick, I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard like a first-round pick because I, I, I can't imagine that they wouldn't do that or at least a significant first-round pick. I hadn't heard that, and I, I would assume that if that was the case, they would do it. Because um, I, I, do, I do remember Ed saying, and I've heard from people, like they're just people who are going nuts. Why is Langston Galloway still here after the deadline? Why is Markeith Morris still here after the deadline? I'm like, with all due respect to those guys, two of my favorite guys I've covered, but like, are you? that's the eighth and ninth man on a team that's won 19 games. Like, you think people are <laughs> picking up the phone to call these two for like for more than, and it's like Ed was sitting there saying people telling people like there was just not good offers for these guys. And everyone's like, no, that's not true. Like you see Markeith went to LA and he won to help win a ring and, and links and shooting 38 from three. I'm like, and I'm sitting there uh, from talking to people. Like I'm telling the guys the same thing. Like, these were the seventh and eighth guys on one of the worst teams in basketball. Like, I, it's teams aren't giving up late first round picks for these guys. I don't care what, what they shot from three, it's just not happening. Um, but I, to get back to Rose, I, I would be surprised. I would be surprised if they don't trade him if he's if he puts up similar numbers to this year and he at the deadline. Now, what I will say is, and it w- this wouldn't surprise me either, it would, it would shock me a little. I legit think he likes being here. And I legit think he, I don't know. I don't get the vibe from him that this is a guy that like wants to ring chase. 
Like, I think he just wants to play basketball. He has family from Detroit. He has connections in the organization. I understand it from a team building and asset accumulation standpoint. Like, uh, uh, that tough talk for me, if somebody's offering a first-round pick, like, we're going to have to have that tough talk. Um, But I, I don't think – if there were deals last year, I don't think there were good enough deals on the table to warrant trading a guy who's happy where he's at. And yeah, I, I mean, and I, I don't think the return was big enough. I, I, no one knows. Yeah. I mean, I, I just from what I heard, nothing was significant that they it was a no brainer. I mean, you characterize it as a tough talk if a first round pick comes on the table. Ain't no tough talk. You say well, yes. I'm, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. But I'm, I guess I meant from like a personal relationship standpoint. Like, oh, I got with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, easy decision, no, no. tough talk. Yeah, you like you have to <laughs> yeah, tell him yeah. like I know you love it here. We love you, but yeah. we gotta take this number seventeen pick. Like we just have to. I love Derrick Rose. I mean, the year he had last year, I just respect the hell out of him. And it's a guy that really rebounded from. You know, I, I would probably characterize it as depression. I mean, it seemed like it being a, a unlicensed psychologist over here. Yeah, but, he, was, uh, he seemed like he was in a tough place for a while. Yeah, he's ready to walk away. And and on the flip side of this, and you you nailed it with fans always overvalue their players and think they're getting the moon. And this goes back to I mean, you were probably a little too young. I'm a little older than you, mm-hmm. but people used to say like package Terry Mills and Lindsey Hunter for like Kevin Garnett. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it was like a real, when it came out that Garnett may have been unhappy in Minnesota. Yeah. Like, I, I, my dad has told me about that. Yo, it was yeah. terrible. It's like trade said Sabalos for Kevin Garnett. <laughs> it's like, come on, asshole. It's not happening. <laughs> so I get that. But I will say on the flip side, if I'm sitting there and I'm like one of the best, I don't know, four or five teams in the NBA, I think I have a real chance. Maybe I'm not at the Lakers level. I would take Derrick Rose here. Take my 27th overall pick. Yes. What do I care? Like, Derrick Rose is a hell of a player. I'm saying if he looks three quarters as good as he did last year, that's a huge asset for a contender. Yeah. Huge. No, I so agree. This is not a case where it's like I, I'm asking more than I would give if I were the other team. I, I would trade for Derrick Rose in a second yeah. if I'm chasing a title. I so would too. I think it's going to work out for both. You just have to hope, you know, knock on wood that he's healthy. And that's the biggest concern. I think. As far as a bigger picture, the Pistons are zigging when everyone else is zagging. And that's the other thing where I'm not sure exactly what they're doing. If this is just sort of uh, step one and next year we're going to see things kind of shake out differently. Too much was made of the centers. Oh, they have 15 centers. Yeah, that was insane. Calm down, everybody. But now the season's starting tomorrow, so we can make a little bit more of, of a fair judgment of where they're landing. The NBA is all shooting now, shooting, spacing, shooting, mm-hmm. spacing, spacing, shooting. That's all everybody's doing. Pistons don't have a lot of shooting. They're mm-hmm. going more for size. You know, Isaiah Stewart's a dog down low. I actually happen to really like him. Yeah. But do you, do you think this is them just kind of like getting set and they're eventually going to go towards where the league is going, the rest of the league is going? Is this kind of just they're getting their ducks in a row to eventually go there? Or do you think they're intentionally – this is the plan going against the league and trying to find their own path. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think, I don't think that's the long-term plan. What I do think is, I think Troy really wanted to come in at the first moment he could and send a message to people like, this team, this Pistons organization has not had a roster full of tall, lengthy, athletic guards for quite some time. I mean, if we go through the, the SVG era, like we're talking Luke Kennard, good player, 6'5", not the most athletic. Links and Galloway, 6'2", 6'3". Ish Smith, Reggie Jackson, um, Reggie Bullock. Stanley Johnson's built like a, a monster, but he's not the most athletic guy. 
Um, like we can go down. I feel like I'm missing some guards that like it just has not been a a long athletic way. It's not it has not followed that wave of the NBA. They've shot well, um, but it, it didn't get him anywhere. I I think what's going to happen is he's wanted to send a message like this is how we're going to play. This is going to be the foundation. So this year, and we were talking about earlier, they're going to be bad by. But they're going to hang their hat on defense rather than being bad and trying to get a bunch of young guys that can score the basketball and they're going to and lose games because they're rookies and can't figure out how to score or the NBA schedules too much and they're going to have hit the rookie wall. Like they want guys that can defend. And I think they're going to start piecing in similar type of mold players, six, eight guys, but that guys that can shoot. Like I, I just think right now they wanted to send the message like, we're going to play Detroit basketball with length. We're going to compete every night. We're going to defend. And then as we go on, we're going to piece together. We're going to build this thing kind of outside the margins. Like, Because I do think there's still – I think Killian's going to be a really good player. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the, the, the best player when they win a title, the next time they win a title. Could he be the second best player? Certainly. But I, I just think his style of game, he's more like – and Dwayne said this. I heard Troy said it. Like Goran Dragic. Like – a really good point guard, like a, a true point guard that can, he can go get you 18, but he's also going to make the right pass into the right guy. I still think they're missing that type of guy. And uh, they're sure they're hoping Cade Cunningham falls in their lap next year, because that would answer that question. But yeah, I, I imagine they're going to fill out the rest of the roster, leaning more towards shooting. Cause they definitely at the expense of getting younger, more athletic and uh, more defensive minded, they lost shooting this year. And I, I, Outside of Sfee and Jeremy Grant, I'm not sure if I'd bet money on anybody's shooting over 36% from three on the roster this year. Um, but I do think that they wanted to send a message and let the fans know, like, this is how we're going to play. Um, and this is going to be the foundation for right now as we get started on this. Like, you're going to know you, you might come in here and beat Detroit, but it's not going to be easy. And I think that's just kind of the message they wanted to send to people. I think that's the right message because we've seen really, really good Pistons teams twice, like two different groups. Obviously, the bad boys. I was a newborn. I don't remember it, but I've watched all the documentaries. I I am a historian, a student of that era and have respect for it. And then, of course, some people called it the bad boys, too. I just, you know, call them the going to work Pistons, the Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups team. We've seen it work twice, and in both times it was very similar. Same constants. We're going to punch in the mouth. We're going to be the best or second-best defensive team in the league every year during this run, and this is how it's going to be done. The Pistons have run away from that for whatever reason. They have not been that for a long time. So whether or not this works, I already like Troy Weaver more than everybody that came before him, uh, between him and Dumars. Yeah. Be- just because this is how we know it can work. The Pistons are not a glamour destination. They never mm-hmm. will be. This is how you do it. The Isaiah Stewart pick, it seems that, like, first of all, let's let's go to Killing Hayes at seven overall. Yeah. That's the guy I wanted from day one. Mm-hmm. I would have taken him, like, at three. I mean, I there are some people that had him as the best player in the draft, yeah. Everybody at the ringer. For yeah, those of you that, Kevin O'Connor did, yeah. Yeah, Kevin O'Connor. But everybody, I it's like I listen to the ringer NBA podcast, and it's like four of them on there, and they're yeah. all like, Killian A's number one. They love I would them. take Killian A's number one. And I really respect those guys. But just he's a hell of a player. I think what you said is kind of like maybe not the best player on a championship team, but the second best. Yeah. That'd be great. At seven overall, oh, my God. Yeah. But going to Isaiah Stewart, most people seem to like Killian. Isaiah Stewart was actually a criticized pick. I actually like that. It's very Pistons. Yeah. 
this guy is going to play his ass off. He's he was a it's a great kid too. Like he's been my favorite person to talk really? to so far. Oh, he's just the nicest kid in the world. Yeah, he's super nice. Like polite, everything. Like he's a bully. He already got a technical or two of them in the preseason. But you talk to him, he's just a sweetheart. He's a beast on the court. I'm surprised you've forgiven him for his trespasses against our team in East Lansing. <laughs> <laughs> I really yeah, wanted him. That was bad. And it had you know had COVID not happened and that Isaiah Stewart was on Michigan State, that team would definitely win the national yes. title. <laughs> Oh, Izzo would love Isaiah Oh, Stewart. my God. It's his kind of guy, as yeah. they say, our kind of guy. But <laughs> it, it just – where do you stand? We don't have to do a Stewart deep dive, but yeah. I seem to be in the minority. Obviously, you say he's a great guy. Everyone is saying he's not a fit in the modern NBA. It's a weird pick in 2020. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fit what anyone's trying to do. It's counterculture to the rest of the league. You're swimming upstream. Mm-hmm. I say it's very Pistons. Where do you land on that? Yeah, no, I, I think it is very Pistons. Um, I think most of – what people's backlash with what that was is it's similar to the running back in today's NBA. Like when's the last, it's, I don't want to say when's the last time, but it's been very few instances where we see running backs go in the first round now. Um, like I'm trying to, was there one as like, who's oh Saquon Barkley went Sa- second overall, right? Saquon, and, but know, other than like, it's very Elliott a couple years before, but it's getting, it, I used to be, I mean like when we were, I mean, the early 2000s, like running backs, there'd be like five, six, seven, eight in the oh, first yeah. round. Like yeah, it's, it's just, gone. they're all seem to go in the second round now. Yeah. And it's similar with the center. Like I think more people's knock was, well, because they got the 16th pick for basically sign and trading Christian Wood. It came from Houston. Yep. So you're using uh, essentially a lottery pick for a center. And I think that's kind of just where the people's logic came with that is like, that's just too early for a center in today's NBA. He doesn't shoot like, blah. that's, I, I, I understand that. I get that. But Isaiah is a guy who fits exactly what Detroit wants to do to a T like he's low maintenance offensively. He just going to bust his ass defensively. He's going to annoy defenders. He's going to, he's in a play. He's from all accounts. He's a sponge. He's intelligent. And while he can't shoot and Troy said that Troy knew his uh, college coach. So he's like, there's, there's some insider trading stuff. I knew that other teams wouldn't. He said that after the presser um, or after the draft. And I don't, you don't, you don't have to be like, of course you would hope that you have a well-rounded center who can shoot threes and block shots and, and post up and you have, you hope you have Joel Embiid who doesn't want Joel Embiid, but like, there's nothing wrong with like a rim running big who can, def- who can defend the rim, uh, athletic enough to defend guards in the pick and roll. I think Isaiah is going to be just a nuisance. And I the Ben Wallace comparison. Like I see why people are saying it. Cause it's very like, you don't see much offensive upside, but you see a guy who could just be an absolute dog defensively. And if Isaiah is a guy that can set screens, rim run, get loose balls, um, protect the rim, and he has great leaping ability, especially a second jump. Like, he gets back up on the floor quick. That's one thing I took away from the preseason. He he fits what they want to do. They think they can mold him into something that's – that's a guy, first of all, his type of player, you're not going to have to pay a lot of money. He could be really good, but still nobody's going to overpay for a, a center that can't shoot. So this is going to be a guy if you can – like I said, get those Detroit things, those those dirty things that people don't necessarily love about the NBA that that doesn't get the highlights in the sports center, doesn't get you on the sports center bottom uh, bottom ticker. Like they're gonna have a guy that's exactly what they hope is what Ben Wallace was to the going to work era, a guy that's gonna scrap, claw, be the heart and soul, um, lay the foundation, and is just gonna. He, he, I think he's going to take the role of of Bruce Brown from the fans. Like Bruce felt, fans loved Bruce Brown because he did all the stuff that reminded them of the glory days. He wasn't necessarily a good player, um, 
And I like Bruce, and he worked his ass off, and he was a guy that, like, if you asked him what do you need to get better at, he'll tell you. He's like, I was trash at this. Like, he was my favorite interview. Not even – it wasn't even close. Um, but, like, Bruce won people over, and that's why I think people lost their minds when he was traded because he, he reminded them of that. And I think Isaiah's going to remind people of that of that time. That's what fans want to see. And you mentioned, you know, Stewart's not the guy that's going to be on the you know, sports center or the bottom ticker or this and that. Yeah. We talked about the versions of the Pistons that have been good. None Both of those, of those guys have. Were, yeah. Well, they were reviled. The bad boys are the most despised team in the history of the league. Yeah. Like, easily. It's not even close. And I don't know. I mean, you're old enough to remember the bad boys, pissed, uh, the not the bad boys, the going to work yeah. Pistons. They were getting crushed by the national media. Oh, they're so boring. Every yeah. game, 74, 72. This is the 2005 finals is the worst finals in the you, history. You still, up until Kobe's death, rest in peace, you heard Kobe and Shaq all the time say that 04 title was the one that annoyed them the most of all their trips. Yeah. And they, that one losing to the Pistons because they didn't, they thought they were way better than them. Like, they, the, everybody did. Yeah, everybody did. Yeah. I mean, if you weren't like in the palace locker room, pretty much everyone thought that that was going to be an absolute smoking of the Pistons. So, again, I don't give two hoots in hell about Sports Center or the bottom line because for this to work, it has to be done a certain way. I don't know what it is, if it's in the cosmos, if it's karma, if it's just how it is. Yeah. But for it to work in Detroit with this basketball team, it has to look a certain way. It is being built that way, it seems. It's still early. We've, we're only days into this whole thing. Yeah. But the first steps are good. I'm thinking for year one, and maybe you can help me understand this. We've talked about the big picture, where we think they're going, what they're trying to build. Just for year one, mm-hmm. if you can pick, let's say you're a diehard Pistons fan and your uh, journalist card's out the window. Mm-hmm. What is better? Is it better for the Pistons in year one to just stink, they're a joke, half the team gets hurt, whatever. They pick top three. We're assuming they, they land top three. We're yeah. assuming lot of yeah, 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 yeah. They pick third overall. Yeah. Or they're scrappy. They set the culture. They they have some guys pop up that are better than expected. Josh Jackson, maybe they resign him. And they play a scrappy uh, two seed. They sneak in as, as a seven seed in the playoffs. They lose in six games, but it was like kind of close. Yeah. And have that foundation set for being more competitive. But now they're picking, what, 16th or 17th. What do you think is better for year one? (sighs) So I think both scenarios, in a a unique way, are positives for Detroit. Um, The first one, I still think they need as many good young players as they can get. So if you can get a top three pick, you can land Cade Cunningham. Or somebody like that, like Jalen Green, like all for it because that's going to make your team better. Um, I, but I do think based on how, and this is kind of what people I think miss in the rebuild or the the going for the playoffs. And I, you're a good person to to talk to this about because I think what people saw an issue with with the previous regime or teams going for the playoffs it was it was a team of a bunch of guys past their prime or in their prime that like get paid a lot of money and are still making the eighth seed. So it's like, what's the upside here? But if you're telling me that a team with a 19 year old point guard, a 22, two 23 year old shooting guards and Svi and Josh Jackson playing, all these guys are going to play 20 plus minutes. Sekou who's 20 plays 20 plus minutes. Jalil Okafor plays 15, 20 minutes and he's 24. Um, and this team like, 
almost like maybe makes the play in tournament or and ends up picking eighth instead of third. Like, I think that sets a good tone going forward. I don't necessarily think that's the way to go because I do under I I get I never really understood like the the aspect of of. I always just thought it was overplayed, like team building, like why you always hear front offices talk about like it's important to establish culture, blah, 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 until I did this job. Because I'm like, well, let's just get the just get the worst pick and get the best player and that'll change your culture. But then it's like Phillies has issues. And this next draft, like I was, Sam Bassini, who works for us at the Athletic, Athletic, does amazing draft coverage, probably the best in the world. He said there were seven guys in next year's draft that would go number one in this year's draft. So. It's all about identifying the right person at the end of the day where you draft, um, and that's what the Pistons have missed on, and we can go through the list, and even though they've picked 7th or 12th or 14th over the last couple of years, there's been a guy there that is now an all-star in the NBA that they had the decision to pick, and they did not, so it comes down to evaluating and doing all that, but yeah, it's a tough situation because I, I do think they, just me, I, I personally think they would benefit from another top three pick given where they are, but if that means... They got the top three pick because everybody was hurt or um, people got tired of losing and people are coming out in the media and saying crazy things. Then I don't know. You might be in trouble. Um, But I do think that there is there is something about being feisty and giving teams a run for your money and showing like, hey, like they look around, they know they're young and it's like, hey, we're like sticking with this team and we're all a bunch of 20 year olds. So. I don't know. It's tough. It, it, it is. There's different ways to go about it. There's no one right way unless you're able to draft Tim Duncan over, number one overall, and then you're set for 20 years. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if I, I if I picked one, but I think either one could uh, could benefit them. It just depends on. And I don't. I still don't think for everything to go right for this team to make the play. There just has too many things have to go right. I mean, Killian or Sadiq and or Sadiq would have to be all like in John Morant territory. Um, Jeremy Grant would have to show that he's able to like add more to his game and, and take on the load as like a number two scorer. And I, and even with all that said, Blake Griffin would have to be Blake Griffin. And by then I just think they would trade him by the deadline. So I, I just can't see an avenue for this team making the playoffs, but I do see an avenue for them like scrapping and clawing and, and being in some games and, and feeling good about that. I'm just happy because I can finally feel like I can root for them. I'm just like, I'm rooting for Josh Jackson to, you know, kind of give the finger to everybody. You don't I have just, any Michigan State. You're not. You're not pissed at him about. Uh, oh, I, of course I am. But you know, honestly, I've been <laughs> stabbed in the heart so many times. No, Angelil too. I'm surprised. You can't. We can't let you into Little Caesars Arena. You might have some words for those two. I'm trying to enjoy life a little bit more. I've been told I'm too cynical. James. I'm, I'm trying to be good. Okay? Look at you. Look at you. I, this, this is. I. I can't say I'm reformed, but I'm on the path. Okay, I'm trying. I'm. I'm. I'm in year one, just like Troy Weaver of the the Reformation. So I. I there's just like guys and you made the key distinction where in a million years you would have never heard me the past decade say oh yeah I would consider a a first round exit as even close to equal to a top three pick but this year for the reason you said Mm -hmm. and I wasn't even sure why I changed my mind you helped me realize why I changed my mind it's how you go about it right it's like it's these younger guys that are sort of on the ascent not the descent or at the very peak and they're starting to be on the descent it's just it's planting seeds that you think can grow versus like okay this flower's at its last day of bloom at best and then it's going to wither away and I think that's what people don't get like I think people are like oh they better not make the they have this roster I don't think they're going to make the playoffs I think that was some of the confusion with some of the national media is like they think they're going for the playoffs they're not but if they make the playoffs, 
that means your young 19-year-old point guard or your 20-year-old, uh, the the two French guys and Sekou and Killian, and then or Sadiq, like two or three of these young players that you're hoping are part of your future did really well, and then that's what you want. Like at that point, no, I guarantee nobody in Memphis is pissed that the team almost made the playoffs last year because it was because of Jaron Jackson and yep. John Morant. They have the oh my, I don't know if you've been following. John Morant at all this preseason. That that guy's like he's different. He's one of the best ten players. Yeah, like, oh, I mean, just I yeah. mean, I, I, most people don't follow the preseason. It's not like I'm watching every dribble, but like checking in on John Morant. That guy is. I'm not breaking any news, but oh, no, holy he's shit, ridiculous. That guy is going to be outstanding this yeah. year. So. And I think Jaron still has so much more room to go, and he's been he good. Does. Yeah, and he's been good. And I love what they're doing there just in Memphis. It's one of the teams I kind of root for, too. Just, you know, obviously the Spartan connection and everything. I think if I had to pick a door, I would take the top three pick because, you know, of what you you mentioned with your colleague saying that the draft has a lot of talent up top. Yeah. And now you're really starting to cook where if you have one of those top three or four guys and the French boys and Isaiah Stewart, who I don't think is a franchise player, but I think can be the fifth or sixth best player on a good team yeah. for sure. Yeah. Now you're really starting to hum. But for the reasons you just outlined, if they make the playoffs, it means these young guys are doing well, and mm-hmm. that's its own good sign. Yes. So it, either way, the doors in front of you as a Pistons fan, as anyone that gives a shit about this team, are much more favorable than they were before. There's hope. And and some people say hope is a dangerous thing. I say it is the best of things like Shawshank Redemption, right? <laughs> it, it, it is a good thing, and it's something we haven't had here in a long time, and they're doing it in the mold that I would like. now. For the most part, I can speak for myself. I'm probably Detroit's biggest cynic. Just the mm-hmm. city of Detroit, I, I, I'm told I'm, I'm mean sometimes. <laughs> but even I'm on board with this. But what I'm not loving is on, and I don't know if this timing was intentional, and this is sort of a transition in topic. We're staying in Pistons land, mm-hmm. but a little bit of a controversy with, with this week. I don't know if you saw what happened with Pistons owner Tom Gores and the letter that was written by. Yeah, it was. I learned about it recently. Yeah, it was very big in the news earlier this week. It had been sort of out there several months ago, and now it's come back to the forefront. So we'll set this. There is this. I've never heard of this group for the record. I don't know if they're long established or if they just like filed their papers three months ago. Mm-hmm. But there's this criminal justice organization. It's nonprofit called Worth Rises. And they have had very serious concerns expressed about the Pistons owner, Tom Gores, and his ownership of this company that uh, has a connection with the prison phone system. Basically, Tom Gores owns a company that contracts with the prisons, and they charge inmates or their families. Again, this is their allegations. I haven't investigated this. I haven't looked too much. I haven't had a chance to look too much into it yet. So this is, I mean, they wrote a letter and this is directly from their executive director. And and we'll read, I mean, this is just an excerpt. It was like a four page letter. This was directed to Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner. They're trying to get Tom Gores to be in a forced sale of the teams, much like they did to Donald Sterling with the Clippers years ago. This is a quote from the letter, just excerpting from it. It's, I am writing to you deeply concerned that Tom Gores has a position on the NBA Board of Governors. That's the code word for owners. Mm-hmm. Mr. Gores owns Securus Technologies, Securus charges incarcerated people and their loved ones exorbitant rates for phone calls made from prisons, jails, and detention centers across the country. 
Securus makes more than $700 million annually by price gouging families as they struggle to keep in touch with their incarcerated loved ones. The corporation routinely charges as much as $15 for a simple 15-minute phone call and similarly egregious fees for a myriad other services it peddles. It finishes with Mr. Gores has ignored calls to engage and dragged his feet in implementing any reforms. While people across the nation demand racial justice, Mr. Gores continues to amass wealth and benefit from a system that exploits black people and profits from their pain. And here comes the money shot. You have a distinct opportunity to rebuke systemic racism and racist exploitation by forcing Tom Gores to sell the Detroit Pistons. Sincerely, Bianca Tylek, Worth Rises. She is the executive director. Now, that is by far the longest excerpt I will ever read on this show. In journalism and broadcasting school, they tell you keep it 15 seconds. But I, I cut it way down. That was like 8% <laughs> of the letter. Yeah. I know you haven't done a deep dive on Securus Technologies. Yeah. But just have you heard anything about this? Do you think it's a potential distraction? Because with Donald Sterling, I don't know if you remember that story, but it started – very small. There were whispers that there was a tape and the tape came out and everyone was like, this will blow over. And eventually he was forced out. Do you, do you think there's any concern there with Tom Gores? Do you sense that? Yeah. First and foremost, of, the optics obviously aren't aren't good, given that he's the, the owner of a team that is in a league that's predominantly black with predominantly black players. I think there's only one non-black player on the team. Um, and so of course, like, and I I saw people were tweeted that to me. What was it Saturday? It was over the weekend, right? It was over the weekend, but it really blew up yesterday. Like the whispers were out. Yeah, but if, yeah. If you look into it, because I, I don't know if the letter was public four days ago. But okay, it's public now. Yeah, like obviously the optics aren't good now. Um, choose my words carefully. I don't. I don't know if. Of course, a lot the the majority, a lot of people that are incarcerated are African American. Um, obviously, not all. So to to me, this is a guy, a businessman, as they all are, in a have stake in a company that makes money. The optics aren't good given where the league is and all the social justice that's gone on and how the league has really been in the forefront of that. So of course, like it doesn't look good. Um, to, to call him racist for that. I don't know if that's, uh, a step that might be a step too far to me. It's a rich guy looking for a way to get richer, um, with a company that uh, at its core, it does obviously, uh, affect the lives of a lot of African-Americans. And of course he has that, um, the majority of his team and again the league makes up that that demographic so yeah like i'm curious um i have not looked into it a whole lot i there's been a lot going on but i will i I had plans to to ask about it um we haven't talked to him at all um recently obviously things are different usually we see him the first home game of the year and i'd imagine he won't be there this year um but yeah it's the the optics don't look good, but it also just seems like a a rich guy with a uh, a company to get richer. 
And he owns so many companies. I mean, right. that's the thing. People think like, oh, it's Platinum Equity or, you know, Mark Cuban owns the Mavericks. Mark Cuban owns like 600 companies. Yeah, they, like they're in, these guys are investors. Yeah. They're all over the place. Yeah. So like if I'm Tom Gores, I just don't get it. You, you're getting this, whatever you think of, whether it's justified or not, mm-hmm. the fact is you're in a predominantly black sport. Right. You're a white guy. You have all this money of all these companies. Like whatever you think of it. When this pressure was starting to be applied months ago, look, I, I am very anti-giving into the mob. But, but just yeah. uh, as a strategic point, even if you think it's nuts, just get rid of the asset, liquidate it. If it's, if it's making $700 million a year, it, again, that's the allegation in the letter. Who knows? Yeah. We don't have access to their balance sheet. But just sell it. Just liquidate the asset. You'll be fine either way. I, you know, I, We're not going to do a deep dive on this, but it's just interesting because – Again, we saw with Donald Sterling, it's easy to forget. But when that first happened, yeah, it was no bigger than this. Right. And there's a lot. Of, and I, honestly, I couldn't tell you why some controversies bubble up in some fizzle away. I just I was curious if you had any insight on it. Obviously, you're, you're in the infancy stages of, of understanding, right. as we all are, because yeah. this is just coming out. But I had to hit it because it's in the news. No, certainly. And, and just from the little I know and what I've seen just on the surface, I don't I don't see necessarily the correlation with Donald Sterling. That was overt yes. like racism. This is um I don't want to say it's not system. It's 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 just part of the system. Like it's 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 unfortunate uh that the majority of people in prison are African American and then if you have a service that is there only communication to those on the outside and you own that and you charge a lot of people, then it, it doesn't, the optics don't look good, but it's a, this is a business. This is an issue of business, good, whether, and um, I guess not necessarily ethical or unethical business. It depends more so on, is this business worth it for the sake of this other asset that I have that obviously impacts um, a significant amount of, people who I employ. So yeah, I think the Sterling thing was overt racism. This is just, again, um, a way for the, like you said, all these guys own a lot of companies and businesses and want to yes. make as much money as possible. And so, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't think it looks great. Um, but I don't think the situations are the same. I agree, yeah. but it, obviously Sterling's was an egregious, as you mentioned, overt act. This is not Tom Gore's on tape saying bad stuff. It's it's an asset on his balance sheet. He might not even know that much about it. It's probably just, and that's probably, and that, that was I was thinking that too. Like he might, I mean, I'm sure he does, and I'm sure it's been brought to his his attention, the attention of his people now. And I'm sure he had. Uh, I don't know this. I would imagine. I would imagine if I put my stake in any company, like I would know a little bit about it. And maybe maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Um, but yeah, it's this is a uh, it's it, like Sterling. If, if I recall from like the Ramona Shelburne, they did the whole like he wouldn't even like accept black tenants. I believe like in his didn't he own apartments in L.A. Yeah, or something was, like uh, that? that. Those were the allegations. That, yeah, those yeah, were the allegations. Yeah, right. I don't Ramona think those were, seemed to have a lot of evidence of that. I mean, there was a, yeah. a pretty well substantiated yeah. by re- recollection. So he was on tape. Yeah, I mean, it was insane. I mean, that's you don't even have to get like the allegations. I mean, he was on tape saying, you know, why do you have to bring around these black guys? Yeah, it was it's like, yeah, oh, my God, that was that, that, that was different. The difference is, though, even though his actions are a lot worse, 
it is a more progressive league now than even when Donald Sterling was run out. Right. And so the the line of what's acceptable has moved. So Sterling, even in the old world, was run out, you know, almost with universal acceptance from yeah. the fans and, and, you know, the owners in the league. But I think this is a league that's even less tolerant of this kind of stuff. Its fan base is. Mm-hmm. I don't know where this is going to go. I mean, this might be a nothing story by tomorrow, or it could continue to bubble. I honestly don't know. I mean, it really takes like maybe one person with a platform to take up this torch and yeah. it can become an issue. But if I'm Tom Gores, I just, just get rid of the ass. Right. Yeah, it, again, it's, it's the optics. And I, I know Tom a, a little bit. Um, I don't obviously get to spend time with him. I'm around him at certain points. And um, I mean, this is a guy who owns a team that has the only, I think it's the only black GM and head coach combo. Um, if people are are pulling the, the racist card, like I don't, I don't, from my little knowledge of Tom, like I don't think that's who he is. Um, it's, but it, given where the league is, like you were saying, and how outward they are in their social justice, racism, um, Everything in that circle, the optics of this just don't look – it's the wrong time. Yes. The optics just don't look good. And even the racial aspect aside, like even if you took that completely out, there's just something kind of skeevy about like you want to call – Yeah, it's a weird company. Yeah. Yeah. Like they – and that was the allegation that was like you could call your mom for like five minutes and it's 15 bucks and it's like might not seem – terrible. Right. But, you know, if, if you don't have much money and you want to talk to your family twice a week, I mean, that's, you know, I'm like, I don't want to get into a whole like prison reform conversation, but I'm, I guess I don't know enough. Like, why are prisons uh, allowing systems like this? Like, why can't you just make a call? <laughs> like, I, don't I don't know. Like, why can't you if it's like a dot? Like, I don't give me the payphone with the quarter. Yeah. Like, I don't <laughs> just give I, them a roll of quarters. I mean, I guess you got to make money at every turn. And uh, a lot of people like that approach. Um, I, I'm not necessarily for it, but it is what it is. And I guess there's uh businesses for everything. I'm a capitalist, but when it comes to like prison profiteering, I, I trouble, I just feel like I just, it's a, it's a little, it's, there's nothing illegal. It's just a little skeevy. Yeah. No, a little skeevy. Yeah. So I don't know. Tom Gore's, I, I don't know. I, I was wrong about him because I thought he would have sold this asset within five years of owning it. That was sort of the common line was that he was just going to flip the team. I'm already wrong. I mean, even if you put him up for sale tomorrow, I'm wrong. It's he's stayed in longer than I would have anticipated. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's here for the long haul, Tom Gores? Is he here? Is he owning this team in five, six years? Yeah, I don't know. Um, he's a goofy guy. Would I be surprised if he sold the team within the next five years? No, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, do I? expect him to no because it's i mean he owns an nba team and <laughs> the money is uh, his uh profit has significantly gone up from the time he bought it every single year um but no i wouldn't be surprised if there came a time when he did he did sell it like i i don't know why that reasoning would be I, i'm just spitballing here but it is i mean at a point maybe you just kind of want to sit back and relax and not worry about this and that and I mean, he's made <laughs> a lot of money. Uh, there were from five times what he paid yeah. for. I think that was the latest valuation from Forbes. Was it was like one and a half billion or something, one point three or something. He paid yeah. three hundred million. So it's he's had a five hundred percent increase on his investment. I'd be curious if, like, the COVID year, um, 
if a lot of owners considered like that have owned a team for five plus years, like if if they considered it, like I don't knock on wood, like hope nothing like this ever happens again. But I mean that uh, you hear all the time. This is why the league's coming back now to make more to make money because they lost money. Like you don't know. Like maybe I wonder if that put a the guys that own teams don't want to risk it and they've made so much money on their their investment that let's not even get, let's not even risk something like this or a, a shutdown or a lockdown happening. Like let's let's yeah. get our money now. I, I the the real thing with Tom Gores will be if this team is on the verge of being really good if he pays the luxury tax. I don't know if you have a beat on that or if you think he'll pony up when the time's right. The time has not been right. Yeah. So, but if if they get there, do you think he'll he'll pony up for that? I th- I think I honestly think he would. Um, if he if his basketball if the people you trust told him that if we can make this move, he'll put us over the luxury tax, but I, th- I think we can win a title. I think he would. I think, and I'm sure you'll have an opinion on this, knowing <laughs> I, I was surprised. What does that mean? <laughs> I was surprised we got to Tom Gore so late in our, in our conversation. I was uh, saving it. Um, I get why people don't love him as an owner because, I mean, he's synonymous with uh, the team. I mean, the team has not done well since he's been the owner, so I get it. I do think, though, and while you cannot agree with the moves that they did, um, and you, you you might just flat out don't like them, and I know obviously there is a lot of them you you don't like, and there's moves that I've had head scratching ones over, and some that just didn't make sense. But I don't think he ever made a move. It might have been a miscalculation, but I do think he's always tried to win. You know what I mean? Like it, it might it hasn't worked, yeah. But he's always we want to win. All right, let's go get Blake Griffin. And it, it might not like financially and in, in the construct of how roster and team building, like Blake is a great player. And I always say this, if any, like Blake has been the most Detroit player that they've had since the going to work team. And the dude hustles, he plays hard. He doesn't say anything. He's, he's a great player. He came to a situation that wasn't fit for him. Like he came to a team that already had Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson. Like, he walked into a situation that was destined for him to kind of it, it play out how it was where people are going to love what Blake did, but he's going to lose a little of the spotlight because he's in Detroit on a team that's not worth anything right now. But I do think Blake getting Blake was one of those, like, I really want to win it. I don't know if this was probably the right call at the right time, but it, it, it was a call. I think he, I think he wants to win. I think there's a couple issues. For one, I'll ask you point blank: Did the guy veto an Andre Drummond trade? Because that was the report. Yeah, that was before my time. You're talking about the that was like the you're talking about like the around the Demarcus Cousins. I think that was right before. I me. can't remember like the exact timeline, but there was. I've heard I've heard the same reports, stories. Yeah, yeah, that he vetoed an Andre Drummond trade that Stan Van Gundy wanted to make, which. We're, we're going to get to Stan Van Gundy very briefly in the speed round, not to spoil that part. So we don't have to do that right now. Yeah. But I just, if he vetoed a trade of that bumbling idiot, Andre Drummond, that's a huge strike against him. But it's speculation. We don't know it for sure. Mm-hmm. But there were seemingly reputable reports. That's a huge strike. But the other thing with Tom Gores, and I know I'm not alone, is yes, he went to Michigan State. Good, good Spartan. Another good Spartan, right? The guy lives in Beverly Hills in a $40 million mansion, and he, he helicopters in once or twice a year, throws a couple of T-shirts into the crowd, high-fives people, and then we don't see him again. Bill Davidson, for whatever you thought of him, I happen to think he was a hell of an owner, wheeled his ass to that baseline every single game. That guy was there in October. That guy was there in December. He was there when they were good. He was there when they were bad. Bill Davidson, the prior owner, his ass was in that seat, the same damn seat, every single game. 
with very few exceptions. Yeah. I understand why people, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm personally not one of those like owner guys. That's just me. And I'm not just saying that because we're talking about a team I cover or whatever. But I, I do understand like Bill was there for every game and Tom's. It, it could seem like, and I know you felt like this. You thought he was just buying the team for an asset. Like you, you yes. didn't feel like he valued this team that you loved. That's correct. Yeah. And, and I get that because of the, the previous owner. Um, it doesn't help change that perception, though. What does help it is that he hasn't flipped it yet. But what doesn't help it is he's not there, not right. in the state. Doesn't yeah. seem invested. Why am I buying a season ticket package when the guy that owns the fucking thing won't even go to see this team? Yeah. If, they, if the guy that owns it won't go, why am I going? That's the question some people have. Yeah, no, and I, I could understand why somebody why that would bother somebody. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's. I think there are a lot of owners around the league that don't live in this in this places that the, like Balmer lives in Washington, um, but he's. I mean, that's a, obviously a shorter plane helicopter ride, whatever it is to to Staples, who also is another Michigan man, Steve Balmer. Yes. Um, yeah, like I don't get beat up over that, but I. Again, you, I could understand why somebody who loves this team wants somebody who loves this team as much as they do to own the team. I could understand. And, and, it, yeah. and, and while we don't know if Gores loves the team as much as you do, in your mind, because he's not there, to you, that he, he sees what you love as a business investment. Yeah, and it, it is more than just the lack of attendance. It's like the behavior, you know, he it's just the whole presentation. He's he's got the, you know, V-cut shirt and he's got like his $7,000 jeans on. It's it, he's throwing t-shirts and high-fiving people. He's just kind of a silly person. And I, you know, look, scoreboard, man. I mean, that guy's brilliant. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm I'm not saying he's a silly person, but his act at these games is kind of ridiculous and it just, it just rubs people the wrong way. And look, if they were winning, Oh my God, it, it would be like the most beloved eccentric goofball. He would be beloved for the same things that people kind of roll their eyes at now. Yeah. And, just, and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. If they it's, win, it's like what you just said, it'll like be he, would, cute. he would be the, everybody, he'd be everybody's favorite. Yeah. Owner. There'd be yeah. t-shirts of him. He wouldn't be throwing the t-shirts. He'd be on a t-shirt. <laughs> so anyway, whatever, that is what it is. So we'll wrap on the Pistons. We do something fun here. This was a a new edition of the show uh, about I don't know ten episodes ago or so. We had John Wharton in, longtime Red Wings trainer, mm -hmm. and we had a topic list of like thirty seven things we wanted to talk about. Yeah. And this would have been a show going for like forty eight hours. <laughs> so he said, "Why don't we do a speed round? Let's knock out like ten now." We have you done a twenty four hour show? In high school, I did actually. We did like a high uh, our high school radio station did like a marathon. That'd be cool, like event, like I don't know, like it a, was really a charity event or something. It was really yeah, it was actually a fundraiser for ourselves. But yeah. it was, you know, we, we had like twelve listeners. It's you know, it's high school radio, but that's where a lot of people got their start. Yeah, yeah. Scott Anderson uh, for ninety seven one went through there. Uh, Joanne Purton, who's a, you know uh, Dick Purton's daughter, was uh, was there. So there's a lot of people in radio that got their start there. But yeah, I actually did do a twenty. It wasn't just me, but yeah, that was interesting. Sleeping in the studio on that. But <laughs> I had done it. Not interested in doing it again, at least right, not anytime right. soon. Yeah, you got but stuff to do. We call it the speed round. You wanna, I gotta make sure I don't uh, get a pedal foot on the way home. Now yeah, yeah don't get don't get too excited <laughs> now. So here's how it works. It's similar to word association, but you can say more than one word. So, okay. you know, short but sweet. I'm going to say a name or ask you a question. Give me a you know one to five sentence response on where you land on it. We'll start with this one. 
I picked them all, but this was probably my favorite. We'll start right off the top with this. I don't even know where I land on this one. You put Ben Wallace against Dennis Rodman. Ooh. Who do you like more? Who, who's the James Edwards guy if you had to pick one? Man. Oh, it's a speed round. Um, uh, Ben, because I just felt like not no nonsense. De- De- Desmond, what am I talking about? Dennis was no nonsense as well, but there's just something. Give me the guy that's just doesn't say anything, do anything, except the only time I see him is him playing basketball. I don't know. There's too much, yeah. there's too much outside stuff for me with Dennis Rodman. Rodman may be a little better rebounder, although they're both phenomenal, yeah. but Wallace better shot blocker and yep. just lower maintenance. So yeah. I agree. And and Ben Wallace could probably draft a better fantasy baseball team than Dennis Rodman. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard that story, but I I think I uh I feel like was that like a uh, – did somebody publish that? Was that in a publication? Yeah. Yeah, not a publication we're going to mention. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Dennis Rodman was uh, in our fantasy baseball league. It's the mystery 10th owner. It was fascinating. <laughs> Hold on. He, you, want to, you have to send me this. I, I vaguely remember yeah. this. Yeah. Well, I, I can send it to you, but I could I could tell you the whole backstory too, that we went to uh, a Burger King in Bloomfield Hills at like midnight, and this guy ordered – three value meals and he had his handler in the backseat of my car. So he orders three value meals and two ices and he inhales them. We're like barely out of the parking lot. He keeps adding stuff. First of all, first he says, I want a number one. Then he leans over and goes, Oh, two number ones, two number ones. <laughs> he goes, they got, uh, they got chicken. They got chicken nuggets too. Uh, number six, number six. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Dennis Rodman has three value meals in his lap sitting right next to me and he's stuffing his face. This is the night before the morning draft stuffing his face with this stuff. Wait, wait, hold on. You kind of, you skipped the, like, how is Dennis Rodman next to you? What's like, what's the relation? He was recruited to be, no one knew he was in the league, but me. So oh, okay. he, was, he he was recruited uh, by me to be our mystery 10th owner. That's hilarious. So he, he came out in a cloak <laughs> and he called it a clan hood, which was interesting. Oh, it was not white. It yeah. looks nothing. It was a black cloak, but he called it a clan hood. I think he was joking, but I'm, I'm still yeah, not that sure. sounds like Dennis. But he's got his handler in the back who, like, apparently has to fly with him. Otherwise, he won't show up. Like, that was his agent. His booking agent was like, look, part of the deal is you have to pay for his buddy to be there, too. Oh, okay. Because he won't show up at the event. As it turns out, the next morning, his handler was texting me saying, yeah, sorry, we're running a little bit late. He went out to meet some friends. He doesn't even want to come now. And it's, <laughs> it's like, and now he was he was cool when he got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so he's he's stuffing his face with Burger King and Bloomfield Hills, and he's just grunting. <laughs> and he's throwing the rappers in the back seat <laughs> where his hand was sitting. So it's like the rappers are like hitting his hand in the back. It was just a wild that's Wild a great story. story. Yeah, I asked him about, like, you know, I said I grew up uh, just loving Carmen Electro. Like, that was my celebrity yeah. crush. And I, I said, like, you know, what what was that like, you know, being with her? And, you know, what was that like? And he just goes, uh, uh, freak. freak. <laughs> so, yeah, that I, mean, I could go on out with those stories. This is your speed round, not my long yeah, sorry form. To, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I mean, you asked. I You know, people love the Dennis Rodman stories. It was wild. So, next one, Stan Van Gundy. Your thoughts on him? I just, yeah. He was a disaster, but what were your thoughts on him? Really good coach. Didn't work out as GM. Bottom line, right? Great interview. Entertaining, funny as hell guy. Fun. I don't think people know that he's funny as hell. I think he's funny. The Joy yeah. Howard stuff was hilarious yeah. back when he was in Orlando. Oh, that was this is the sip in the diet Pepsi. It's one of the best. You know, I'm here to win games. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> management told me he wanted me going. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you. What do you want? He's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, Stan. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Stan, <laughs> we're not listening to this reporting, right? Yeah, that was just hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. If he tried to trade their quote-unquote franchise player, Andre Drummond, and was vetoed, that puts his entire regime into a different context because yeah. that was their backbone, and it was a flimsy-ass backbone that the best chiropractor in the world couldn't straighten out. I would say that. Uh, I, w- I would still say him and his crew get knocked on the draft. Yeah, I, mean, oh, yeah, I, I mean, think that was like Devin. I mean, we're talking Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell should probably be Pistons. The problem with Donovan Mitchell is that was one of those where the fans got it right. Like, yes, I wanted him. My friends wanted him. Yeah. Everyone on Twitter wanted him. And that's it, what it wasn't like off. a no brainer because I mean, in my group, it's chat, it was 12 teams <laughs> did pass on him. But what I'll say is I had just heard uh, I forgot who told me this, but the, the rumor was Donovan Mitchell didn't miss a shot. In his, he said that. Yeah, I think that yeah, was a yeah, he said, that's from right. him. He yeah. said, "I couldn't believe they didn't take." It was me. like the sign was there, right? He thought <laughs> yeah. he was going to Detroit, right? Yeah, he was convinced he was coming to Detroit, but yeah, that's not hindsight, man. I have the group chat from the, from that year, and we're like going into the draft, Donovan Mitchell, and it's like he's still on the board, still on the board. It's like, <laughs> what are we doing? I wanted the seriously canard, and I fucking hate Duke. Anyway, <laughs> one of your favorites, I believe, not to tease it too much, Blake Griffin. Blake. What do you think of Blake? Uh. Great basketball player, intelligent guy, probably the smartest person I've ever covered. Um, and of course, I mean, it goes without saying, funny as hell. Great Fun. guy, great guy, right? I mean, he's good, good, solid citizen. Uh, I've, I mean, shook your I don't, hand I don't, at the end of the year. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah no, he's he, he. Yeah, I mean, like he gives you time after. Like I can get Blake one on one. Like he's not like your James Harden type of star. Like he's Detroit got it right when they if if they're gonna get a guy to represent the organization like that's that's the type of guy you get. No, he's a good dude. I have a, he's I have a good Don Maker story with him. I don't know if I can go ahead. It's so, your round. So it was it was a game after in Phoenix last year, um, and we're talking. I think Don had a good game, and we're asking him about. We asked Blake about Don, and long story short, he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah like for his." For as young as Don is, and like he did, like the eyes thing, because if you guys remember, like nobody knows how old Don Maker right, was, right. and, was and like Don's right next to him, he's like, he's like, yeah, Don's like twenty, he's like for being twenty three, and he's like kind of laughing, and <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, when your birth certificate is printed on an inkjet printer, it's gonna be, it was, raise some valid. It concerns. was just super subtle, and we were just like, because we had like we heard about the like we know the Don thing, but like we didn't think about it, but like his. Just the quick, the quick wit with him is, it was really good. It was funny. He's a good dude. I yeah. Like well, he seems by all accounts to be a real pro. Yeah. And on that note, sort of on the flip side, we go to our next one. Your hardest player to cover, the guy that, and it could be a Piston or someone that you were interviewing as an opponent. Just toughest interview. I love that. I think that's Kyrie Irving up there, right? Yeah. I just, yeah. just hilarious. But like, who's been just a, a pain in the ass? Not necessarily an asshole, but just tough. Won't give you anything, won't cooperate. I'm gonna be in Detroit. The the, the interviews have been pretty, like I haven't. There's not any bad interviewers for like in terms of like they're just dickheads. Um, now there's some guys that just don't that are either young and they just don't talk enough, and it's just kind of you're just kind of pulling teeth. Um, uh, Clay Thompson kind of dismissed me one. I, I have a funny Clay Thompson story. Like he, I guess he was pissed because they lost to Detroit. If people remember last year was Steph's return game, um, it was in Detroit. And Detroit started out the year like I think they were fourteen and five. They beat Golden State. KD was playing, and like it was early in the year. And it's like, what are we gonna? I know this the ship's gonna sink eventually. But like, let me talk about the team while they're good. And I asked him, I was like, do you think like Detroit's a? You've played them. You've played a couple other teams. Like, is this Detroit a team that you think could could you could see down the road? 
He's like, see where? And, then, <laughs> and like in front of, and I, and I, in my mind, I know, but I'm KD gave me a good answer about like why they could be a good team. Steph and yeah. Clay was clearly pissed off that they just lost to the Pistons and he had, he had nothing, but I've heard he's a good guy. Like that, yeah. that's just one that comes to mind. It's so we mentioned Bill Simmons briefly earlier, but Bill Simmons has uh, suggested that Clay Thompson is the highest approval rating by fans in the entire NBA. Like just everybody, <laughs> everybody like, loves, Clay. nobody has an opinion of like, Oh fuck Clay Thompson. No. I hate him. Like, so yeah, I was I was interested to hear. I that like one. Clay. Yeah, no, he's fine. Like, and my my question deserved. I knew what I was asking wasn't shouldn't have not provoked the answer other than yeah. what he gave me. So. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So uh, on the flip side of that happy coin, <laughs> not to prejudice the audience with the Boban pick, that might For, be the answer. Uh, and that's fine. Friendliest player you've ever covered, just jovial. You know, your favorite interview. He's by far not by far. Him and Ish Smith are the two, and Langston Galloway, but him and Ish are the two nicest guys I may have like ever met just outside of basketball. Just two of the nicest guys. My favorite interview is Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown will tell you exactly, like if he got his ass busted by somebody, he will tell you why he got his ass busted, how that guy is the toughest player to guard, why he's the toughest player to guard. I remember I did a story last year where He'd probably been 20 games into his, his rookie year, and he played. He had played Steph, Devin Booker. I like the list goes on, and I had him rank who the toughest players to guard and why. And like his answers were great. Like his footwork, this he busted my ass. Or like there was one time he came. I don't remember who they were playing. We I, we get in the locker room after them, and he's like, I just got my ass busted. And it was just like just a guy that could look in the mirror and like self aware guy, as self aware guy as I, as I've come across. And he was always good for a good quote. Fans loved them. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace to his Pistons career. And people lost their minds when he got traded. Now, again, I liked Bruce the person, but this guy played five minutes in preseason for the Nets. Like, I, I would not yeah. be surprised if he's not in the league in five years. I get why you'd be upset for trading him for picking the 50s, but sentimental. It's yeah, not, it's I not a, I don't a, think it's the end of the world. No, it's not a rational bemoaning of the player departed. No. <laughs> let's, let's face it, it is purely emotional and sentimental. Yeah. So this is off the beaten path, but you're a huge music fan. You like rap and hip-hop. You talk about yeah. it, right? You, I, your feed is like basketball, 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 music. Yeah. Three greatest rappers of all time. I don't care about the order, one, two, three, but you, know, you can take three. You can only listen to three more al- you know, three of their albums the rest of your life. Three greatest rappers. I'm going to go, for me, Ghostface from Wu-Tang. Most deaf, too. I mean, you have both of them up there. And Andre 3000. Andre three thousand. Yeah, okay. I think he is the. I think he's the the best rapper. He doesn't have a solo album, obviously. Whatever. I think like the art of rapping, whether saying something, flow, voice. I think he's the best to ever do it. We've thrown this out a few times, like over the years in different formats. Like it, you're the first person I think that's ever not mentioned at least one of Tupac or Notorious. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's I, all three years are good. So I'm not going to shake a stick at that. We'll wrap here. My brother, hey, Sean, thought that this was an asshole question that I'm a moron and that the answer is so self evident that it's ridiculous to even pose it. I but, love this question. Better basketball venue, the Palace of Auburn Hills or Little Caesars Arena? Little Caesars Arena, and it's not close. Oh. <gasps> That kind of scared Shot. me. That, <laughs> yeah, the great and powerful eyes behind My the bad, curtain. I'll tell you why. Tell me why. Uh, I uh, totally understand people's sentimental value again. The palace is massive. It is a, ma- like you walk around the concourse, 
It's just big. The seats are high up. It goes far back. At LCA, I don't know if people have had a chance to go in there yet. It's comp. It feels like a. It feels kind of like Breslin. Like everything is on top of you. It's the the seats aren't far from the the court. Like the back. Like obviously there's the floor seats, but if you're looking at the floor like this, like the seats aren't far back, and it goes uh, it goes more up than out. Like every I, the playoff game, the two in Milwaukee. It's just if that if this team gets good, that's going to be one of the loudest buildings in the NBA. And that just was, how it's constructed. And that was by design. They yeah. actually built the whole design off the Montreal Forum, and the Montreal Forum notoriously had that steep cliff. And yeah. what it did was it, it has a measurable increase in decibel level. It's just the acoustics yeah. that it, it becomes so like it's a hot box of sound basically. It's loud, and you're, it's just the sound radiates and reverberates through the building versus sort of sifting out. Yep. So unfor- I was hoping you were going to say the palace, obviously, just because my brother who thought LCA was such an obvious pick, but he was mentioning. Oh, he like, thought that was the obvious pick. He, he thought agreed? L- he thought he agrees with you. Oh, does, okay. Yeah. He, no, yeah, he yeah, agrees yeah. with you, but he was citing things like, you know, the bratwurst on the concourse and better places to eat and shit. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like just pure, but and you, you answered it correctly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in terms of how to frame it, I don't know. I mean, it, the problem is I wasn't at the two playoff games. There have only been two. Right. And uh, the regular season games I went to, I mean, I've been to maybe five or six Piston games there. Non-Raptors, I would assume. They were dead. I mean, it was like I was the only one in my section at tip-off, and then like a few more people came in with their sausage house in the middle of the second shout quarter. Shout out to Isaac. Isaac loves his uh, Yeah, shout out house. to Isaac. So I don't know. I mean, we, we, have, a, we have a lot of um, – I get the memories. The, certainly the palace without question. But I if if they make memories in that building, that's gonna be that place is gonna be very loud. I agree. This town will wake up if they ever get good. So yeah. well, my goodness. That the, is the, the longest end. speed round in is that the longest speed round in I don't know. In, in we, the history we, of the pod? Ben might have to chime in on that one, but no, we've had a, a we've couple. had much longer. Okay, yeah, well, then yeah, I don't feel bad. The Justin Rogers longer. speed round was longer than the body of the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's more like a slow round. Yeah, Justin Rogers was like an hour of a speed round. It's so funny because we were like, all right, we're wrapping up the show, and like if you watch back that show because we were yeah. hunting it for which clips we were going to pull, and I'm saying like, you know, I, I'm looking at the the timestamp and it's like at 118 I'm wrapping the show and it was a two hour show <laughs> so I spent 42 minutes like trying to get him out and which is great it's like I'll stay here all night it's just for his sake it's like the poor guy it's giving me his time in the middle of this crazy lion season but yeah. no you didn't I've great. never met him uh great a lot guy. of respect for him I've heard great thing Chris Burke speaks highly of Justin Rogers he's you know I, I I tout you as the best Pistons writer I tout him openly as the best Lions writer I really mm-hmm. believe that He's one of my favorite guests, too. He's been on three times now, uh, just once in studio, twice on the phone. But he just absolutely smokes me on the show. He called he, <laughs> he like he basically calls me a moron to my face. And I tell everybody, please, like is if I say something dumb or you think yeah. it's dumb, just hit me over the head with a sledgehammer because <laughs> I know like, I've said it a 100 times. My Twitter handle is literally Darko State News as a self-imposed scarlet letter because I was the last person on the Titanic sinking. I, I was waving saying, hey, it's fine. The ship's fine as it was going underneath, as it was submerging into the Atlantic. I was even when Darko was gone yeah. in Orlando, I'm like, oh, oh hold on. Like, <laughs> I, I know uh, I, I know everyone's down on Darko. He's still going to pop. I was just I. I was wrong, and I couldn't face the fact that I was wrong. Yeah. So believe me, 
I thought Marshawn Brooks, if you guys remember him, was an ex-Kobe. I think he played at Providence. Was like the KCP draft. So I mean, I have my guys. We all do, yeah. but you didn't. You didn't go out for this guy. Like I, I mean, I, this was bad. I, seriously, I I was calling everyone stupid. Why would you want Carmelo? This you know, this head case, and it just <laughs> it's just bad. Yeah. So believe me. As a guy whose entire uh, social media identity is based on the fact that, that I screwed up something horribly, like, yeah, clobber me over the head. How but. would you rank the team, like, in terms of fandom, how would you rank, like, for you, the professional sports teams? The Detroit teams, like, in which I care like, the most about? Yeah. Uh, Tigers are number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, I mean, there's no question the Tigers are number one. And you're just more of a baseball guy in general, too? I lo- yeah, but I love football, too. Yeah. But it's like we talked a little bit before the show about the Lions. It's like the Lions have given me nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, after I, – I, I'd probably say baseball is my favorite. It's close. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Tigers are definitely the number one. It gets like – it's kind of mushed together two through four. Like the Red Wings, I would say, are number two. Mm-hmm. The Pistons are three and the Lions are four. But, like – if the Lions win a Super Bowl, I'll be the first one in the parade. Yeah. Like uh, you know, so it's like I really love all four. Um, so there's not a there's not a whole lot of space there. Well, I was curious because I don't think I'd heard. I didn't know where you stood on. Like I knew you liked the. I know you adamantly follow all the teams. I just yes. didn't know which one was. Uh, I know what your favorite college is. If, yeah, if you well, walk around your your house in your uh, podcast studio, you know that very quickly. Yes, it is a Michigan State house, no question. But yeah, I would have I would have to go. Yeah, Tigers, Wings, um, uh, Pistons, Lions, probably Pistons, Lions. But you know the the Tigers have just been the ultimate blue ball team in my lifetime. It's like they were constantly on the verge of getting it done. For whatever frustrations I may have with the Red Wings. I can't say shit about them until nah. like 2035, maybe. And that might be, yeah, you might have to go like to the 40s for <laughs> what, all that four they've done. Titles? Yeah, they've, yeah. It, it just drives me nuts. The greatest modern NHL team. Yes. Don't you just want to murder these Boston fans like that, that just complain all the time? It's like you morons. And look, we've talked on this show about Mike Valeni, who I think is the most talented broadcaster, is certainly sports broadcaster in town. Yeah. And we talk, we use his clips a lot. Smart guy. But for him to go on the air and declare himself Giants free, like 18 months after they won the Super Bowl in this town, I, it's, <laughs> they don't want to, you guys don't want to hear that. I, right? I don't want to hear it. I don't want it. these Boston fans. Like Bill Simmons was doing a podcast the other day, like, oh, this Cam Newton thing. Like, guy's the worst quarterback I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't know what we're that's doing. That's the shit I can't. Anybody from Boston, I don't want Shut to hear up. a word in any sport yes. about anything. You, the Bruins, the Celtics have won recently and, and came close a few times. So don't like, say a word. The Wings. Piss me off with what they're doing, but I just can't. I can't nah. muster the. That was my like. I don't know if many people know this. Like I was a massive Red Wings fan. Like Chris Osgood is. Like I asked Max Boltman about him, like getting Chris Osgood for a story and letting me talk to him. Like I want to come over when he's interviewing Chris Osgood so I can speak to him on the phone. Like I love Bob Probert. I have old VHSs of his fights from my grandma. Like I am a mass. I was a massive Red Wings. They lost me the first. Uh, was there the lockout in 20... 2004? That, that's when I kind of fizzled yeah. out. And- I mean, my favorite athlete of all time is Dominic Hasek, and that was the case before they traded for him. When he was so in that Buffalo? was like my guy when he was in Buffalo. Yeah. And I was actually on a vacation. I was uh, 14 when they traded for him, and uh, so obviously not driving, not a uh, big party boy at that point. And I remember my dad hitting me on the shoulder in the morning because he was listening on his little transistor radio and said, <laughs> the wings got your boy. And I was like, that could only mean one yeah. guy. <laughs> you know, that was, uh, could only, I'll, I I'll right never away. forget that. Mo- like, wasn't it Hashik, Hull, and Robitaille within a couple of days or was it a couple it of weeks? It was like 
12 days. Yeah, it wasn't a couple days because Hall was the last That's one to right. come in because they, they had actually ownership had to go um, – or uh, players had to go to ownership and, like, volunteer. I think Iserman and maybe That's Shanahan right. was like, look, one more piece, and they gave up some of their salary to make it happen. I'll never forget. I, I think my dad worked with – I want to say Luke Robitaille had a brother or cousins that lived in Michigan. My dad worked with either his brother or his cousin. Oh, yeah, I'm not So we sure. used to, I, I think I have a Luke Robitaille autograph, something around the house somewhere. But He's a great guy. Yeah, I got to meet him. Um, my buddy was playing for the Kings in his first game, and Robitaille, he's now, I think, like the second in charge there behind Rob yeah. Blake. But at the time, he was kind of like their alumni party planner. He just had kind of a fun, goofy job. And mm-hmm. so I got to meet him uh, at my buddy's NHL debut. And I talked to him about that O2 team for like 15, 20 minutes. Got um, to. He just, he's sitting there with this guy you just met. This, you know, at the time, I'm like a dumb guy. I was like a sophomore in college. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, yeah. like, you know, and he, he was talking to me like I was his best friend. That's you know, cool. Just great guy. But he did tell me, I asked him the best player on that O2 team. He said, Sergey Fedorov, which was interesting. He put Fedorov ahead of Eisenman, really? Shanahan, Lidstrom. I feel like I feel like a lot of players would say that though, because I feel like there's some overlap with some of. The, I don't think any of them would say they could do some of the stuff Sergey could do. No, he was the most talented, yeah. and the way it was phrased was like, if you had had to win one game or you die, like you're like the. Oh, well, that's that's interesting. That's that how he said I, Sergey for I, that. That's yeah, how I phrased yeah, yeah. it. That's interesting. He said he would take Sergey. He said Sergey was just the most talented guy. And it's funny, if you talk to if you talk to players and you look at interviews, you ask hockey players, Fedorov is their guy. Yeah. The fans, Iserman's the guy. Yeah. Players that were like actually out there, they were more scared of Fedorov than anything Iserman ever did. And that's not to be smirch Iserman, who's like maybe the greatest wing ever. Right. But right. you know, that's just the reality of where the players land. How did this become a hot I don't hockey know. We'll get discussion? Chris Hosgood in the Hall of Fame and let's let's end all that. Chris Osgood is the line of demarcation for the Hall of Fame. It's like if you're, he's right there. I, he, you can't blame him because how great his teams were. No, the dude was. You can put him in. I'm just saying, if you're if you're one percent worse than Chris Osgood, you can't be in. I like agree. He, he's he's he, the baseline. My, he's the baseline. He should be in, and I'll yeah. keep fighting until he is. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna. You'd be smirch his name. So James Edwards the third. Great talk on the Pistons. Appreciate you having me. I'll, I'll try to get you Colton Pouncey next. Colton Pouncey hates me. I don't. I wouldn't say he hates you. He, I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I don't think he obviously he doesn't know you. Um, how does he not know me? We have we have dozens of followers of this program. Yeah. No. 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 But I mean, like, had like like know you. Like he knows who you. I, he knows I'm, who I'm you. Kidding, yeah, I'm yeah. kidding. Yeah. I think and also I think he would do it over. I don't know if he'd he lives far. I think he would do it if you asked him over Zoom. Yeah, we can do Zoom. I think I if just you asked hate him, because it's not, it's not, I mean, not, no, not, I, not that we're like holding hands here, but the, t- hate to use the word intimate, but no, it's I just, it. it's a different vibe. But I'm not anti Zoom. Yeah. I yeah. think you could get him. If you wanted him soon, I think you could get what him. What about that. Brendan Quinn? Because that guy, that guy has yeah. rejected me on more than one occasion. Uh, have I talked to Quinn about joining? I don't think me and Quinn have talked about it. Uh, th- that one I'd have to work. Uh, we'll talk. Tell, tell your colleagues yeah. I'm not so bad. My good, this yeah. reputation, everyone's like, like, I'm such a bad guy. Well, it really hurts I, I just, I just am the one that lives closest by you. That's how I get stuck with it. Well, that and you love me too. You just can't, <laughs> uh, there was like a two year gap between your appearances, but we finally got you back. I'd love to have you back, honestly. And maybe we can kind of dive in maybe closer to mid season and see yeah. what the hell they're doing, how it's looking. I'd love to have you back. I want to come back and talk 
2000s, 90s Red Wings. So we can do that. We yeah. can do that off camera too. Bring in Max Pullman. I'd love to have Max. He's a good guy. Uh, I think you would enjoy talking to Max. That's, great writer yeah, too. He's the man. Max yeah. is Max is a good dude. The Athletic is awesome. I just everyone go subscribe to the Athletic seriously. Thank it's just you. The best. The it's long form. It's phenomenal. It's I, I have a lot of friends in the sort of traditional media. Justin Rogers, Tony yeah. Paul. They do a great job they too. Do. Yep. The athletic though, it's like it's a steal for what you guys charge. It's like there's always some two ninety nine a month sale thing going on. I don't on. think people get to not to this plug, but if, if you subscribe, say you're subscribing to a Pistons, like you get everything. Like it's not just the Pistons. I think I've just read my mentions. Like people always ask me if I subscribe to this story, am I just getting Pistons? No, you get every single sport in every city to every single yeah, town. Yeah, you can read the Chicago stories if you want. Yeah. Like which I actually do because I lived in Chicago four years and grew up a Cubs fan. Yeah. So yeah, I actually did into the Chicago stuff too, but it's the best bargain in town. It, it's like dollars a month and it's just the best coverage. So yeah. it was Appreciate great to it. have you. Thank you. I love to have you back. Like I said, in a couple months, yeah. um, it's been great. I mean, you're one of the best at what you do. There's no question. I appreciate and that. Thank you. Thank you for representing the uh, Spartan dogs so well. Gets underlooked. MSU is like they running back you. It's journalism you, man. It is. Like I, you can go down. There's a long list. It's the best. In many I, different mediums. I don't care what anyone says about Syracuse. Our our former producer's a Syracuse grad. And yeah. I, I I told him, you know, you went to State the stacks best, up. You went State to the second stacks best journalism real. school. So anyway, it's great to have you. Shout out to producer Ben, the great and powerful Oz on the other side of this wall, doing a phenomenal job just across the board. I don't know like how he does what he does. I'm so amazed. Yeah, hey, yeah, he'll come up to me after the show sometimes and be like, "Hey man, that was a great show." And I'm like, "I literally just talked." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not technologically savvy. Like, I can do this. Yeah, don't have me. I saw this move in the corner of my eye. Different. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I yeah. can't do it. He's he's a he's a wizard behind there. Yeah. So yeah, Ben, man, you're you're awesome, and I appreciate you and uh, Eric Williamson sitting at home in his boxers. Appreciate him too <laughs> doing all the sexy graphics for us. So. Um, obviously heading into the holiday, I think we're probably done until after Christmas. We'll see. Uh, there's a few really interesting ones on deck, uh, with the exact date TBD. Uh, but I'll tease one. It looks like we're going to bring in some of those Woodward sports guys, at least one of them next week. So that'll be interesting. Mm. Uh, they think I'm nuts and I think they're nuts. So it'll be a wonderful conversation, I'm sure. (laughs) So anyway, thank you all for watching Spiro Avenue show. If I don't see you before Christmas, have a very Merry Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. Happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, whatever makes you happy. Uh, It's just been great what we're doing here with the audience. And uh, we really appreciate your support. Thanks again to James Edwards. No, thank you. I like what you guys have been doing. I've been, I've seen a few of the shows. Uh, I mean, the studio's amazing and, yeah, you got the Tony Paul stamp. I saw that. He said it might be the best podcast in the state. Best sports show in the state. I don't know. I don't know if I disagree. I have. I appreciate that. And maybe I'll put you on the billboard next to Tony Paul. We're already working <laughs> on the quote. You know, anytime anyone says something nice, it, it's stunning to me. But uh, yeah, our numbers are growing. We appreciate everyone's support. Honestly, it, it's all about the audience. Um, I would talk to you in an empty room with no cameras. You're, you're a great guy. You're a smart guy. But uh, we do appreciate the yeah. audience and the people watching. Of course. So uh, thank you to everybody. Quick shout out to David Dyack. I know he is a, an avid viewer of this program and really wanted to be mentioned. So shout out to David Dyack for tuning in. Shout out to David. David, you're the man. Thanks for tuning in. Shout out to your uh, sister-in-law, Erin, who I work with. She's great. Erin Dyack <laughs> as well. This has been the Spiro Avenue Show. Justin Spiro with James Edwards III. We'll see you next week. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Love you all. Thank you.